Good evening. It is good to be together. Tonight we are going to spend our time talking about and studying Jeroboam, 1 Kings chapter 14. Well, really it's 1 Kings, a lot of 1 Kings, but uh, we're going to start in chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. If you are visiting, we're glad you're here. We hope you'll come back. And for each one that's here tonight, we appreciate your desire to study more. And I'm going to do my best to uh, get through as much material as I can and, you know, make, it, make sure you get in time to your bedtime or your meal afterwards. All right, First, First Kings chapter 11, we are going to begin with Jeroboam. And I couldn't waste any time, so I had to jump up here so that David didn't have but a second. First Kings... 1 Kings chapter 11, we will, we will be introduced to Jeroboam. But before we do that, there is also a, a point that I would like to point out before we begin because we're not going to talk about him. In 2 Kings chapter 14, is King Jeroboam. And yet it's not the king we're talking about. 2 Kings chapter 14, there are two Jeroboams that we recognize in Scripture, and this is not one of them. 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 23. It says, In the fifteenth year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, there he is, son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. We're not studying about him. We're not going to spend the day. We're not going to talk about him, but... Just so you know, if Jeroboam comes up, there is another Jeroboam that is a different Jeroboam. And to keep it real simple, while you're there in 2 Kings chapter 14, God went ahead and pointed back to talk, to talk about the son of Nebat. Verse 24, it says, And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he did, did not depart... From all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Well, if after you're dead, the best thing that they can come up with to say is that this terrible person, notice in verse 24, who made Israel sin was being followed after by others, who were living in terrible ways. I must tell you that it would be a sorry legacy to go on. When I got up, I debated on telling you that this is going to be a terrible character study. But I didn't want you to get the wrong idea. It's a great character to study, but he did a lot of terrible deeds. And there is not much good recorded about him. But today we will spend some time studying about Jeroboam, not this King Jeroboam, but rather Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. All right, go ahead and turn back to 1 Kings chapter 11, and we're going to make our way through King Jeroboam. We start out, first time he's mentioned comes in verse 26. Notice it says, then Solomon's servant. Right now we're on the up and up. It sounds like a good fellow. Everything's going well. Then Solomon's servant, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. It says he's an Ephraimite. 
from Zeredah, whose mother's name was Zeruah. She was a widow, so Nebat had passed away. Also, notice, first thing it says, rebelled against the king. Now, this isn't something that was super uncommon. In fact, if you read back through the previous, um, let's say, 15 verses in 1 Kings chapter 11, you'll see that a lot of people were rebelling. Uh, some sorry decisions were being made. Uh, you can go back, in fact, here in 1 Kings chapter 11, and if you go earlier, for instance, well, we can start in verse 1. King Solomon, it says, loved many foreign women. Wasn't too long ago we studied about King Solomon. As well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Notice he says, surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods, it says, Solomon clung to these in love. Notice in verse 4, it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. So we see Solomon veering off course, going down a wrong path. And Solomon and many others, many other servants, begin to rebel against him. Now, immediately we see that he rebelled. This wasn't uncommon. Likely, this had to do with the building of heavy burdens that he was casting upon his people. Go ahead and notice in verse 27. It says, and this is what caused him to rebel against the king. Solomon had built the, the millow and repaired the damages to the city of David, his father. All right, there were some building projects taking place. In fact, if you go back through chapter 11, there's going to be multiple building pro uh, projects that are mentioned. You can go down to chapter 12 and verse 4, it says, Your father, speaking of Solomon, here he's speaking to Re Rehoboam, but he says, Your father made our yoke heavy. This is the children of Israel. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel, sorry, Let's start in verse 4 again. Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the burden. The service of your father and his heavy yoke which he hath put on us and he will serve you. Now likely this heavy yoke included that of the building projects that uh, Solomon was, was pushing them and doing. For instance what's mentioned in verse 27. Um, but either way we know his yoke was heavy. Uh, he was hard on his servants. And if you remember back when the when they were locked up in Egypt, they were trying to escape the heavy burdens of Pharaoh. All right. So it comes full, full circle, and you might say God warned them. He said, hey, you don't want a king. Let me be your king. But they built their own problems, and that brings us to Solomon as king, and then comes Ahijah the prophet. 1 Kings chapter 11, and we will begin. Now, one thing I want you to recognize before we get into it. Solomon recognized in verse 28 that Jeroboam seemed like a great person to put in charge. Notice verse 28, the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. So they recognized it. 
I'm sure there's no doubt that more people recognized that he was a he was a great strengthened man, a person that was a man of valor. Verse 28, it says, And Solomon, seeing that young man was, notice, industrious. He's a man of valor, and he's industrious. Between these two things, these two abilities, we recognize that Solomon says, Hey, he's going to be a great officer or a great leader. So in verse 28, it says he made him officer over the labor force of the house of Joseph because of his great, uh, his great work, his valor. He says, man, this guy would be a great servant. And it just so happens, Solomon says, you're one of the officers. And he says, eh, I'm fixing to rebel against you, but you don't know it. All right, here we go. Ahijah the prophet, 1 Kings chapter 11. Let us begin verse 29. Now it happened at that time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem that the prophet Ahijah, the Shilonite, met him on the way and he had clothed himself with a new garment and the two were alone in the field. Then Ahijah took hold of the new garment that was on him and he tore it into twelve pieces and he said to Jeroboam, take for yourself ten pieces. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, behold I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon. He says, and will give ten tribes to you, Ahijah warns Jeroboam of the dividing of the kingdom. Within this division of the kingdom, there's going to be 12 pieces. Think of the 12 tribes of Israel. He says 10 of those are going to Jer- go to Jeroboam, and Jeroboam will be the one to rule over them. Now notice that in verse 31, he's going to remove this from the hand of Solomon. Verse 31, he said to Jeroboam, Take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and I will give ten tribes to you. This is going to be the dividing of the children, uh, dividing of, the children of Israel, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. You look at the two kingdoms and we've got ten following after Jeroboam. And then we'll notice he's going to mention it as one that was there with there with uh, Solomon's son uh, Rehoboam. We'll see that in just a second. Now notice David had kept the commandments of God, and because of David, the legacy is able to live on. The only reason the one tribe is mentioned as staying with Solomon's house was because of God's servant David. Notice in verse 32, He shall have one tribe for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. David had kept his commands that God had established with them And because of that, the blessing is going to continue on. Point number one. Many blessings follow righteous living. David chose to follow God. And because of it, the blessing trickled on to the family down the line, okay? 
Grandpa made really good decisions and others were blessed by it. You might enjoy the fruit of the labors of those who previously have made great decisions. And at the same time, you can make terrible decisions that are going to affect your family far off in the future. Think very carefully about your actions. Because of God, because of David, because he had kept the commandments of God, he, pre- he preserves this one tribe for Solomon. Notice verse 35 and verse 36. He says, But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and I will give it to you. We can start in verse 34. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, because I have made him ruler all the days of his life. For the sake of my servant David, whom I chose, because he kept my commandments and my statutes. He says, But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and give it to you, ten tribes. It's going to come to pass. Rehoboam's going to uh, be in charge. God will take it away. Verse 36, and his son I will give one tribe. You might have noticed that we've got 12 tribes to start. We've got ten tribes coming on, going with Jeroboam. And then it says, one tribe, that my servant David may always have a lamp before before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself. To put my name there. Jeroboam was going to be free to rule over these ten tribes. We see that Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, was going to have the opportunity to rule over this one tribe. Now it's very likely. We'll go ahead and look at it for just a second, just so I don't leave you confused. In verse 23 of chapter 12, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 23 It says, speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, to all the house of Judah and Benjamin. You see the grouping together, Judah and Benjamin? Very likely when he he mentions the one, this is the grouping that we're referring to. That's why we have ten that go with Jeroboam, and then he counts it as one, Judah and uh, Benjamin being joined together uh, as they mention it here. So, uh, you can also go back to... Well, Joshua chapter 18, verse 28, and you see also a very similar, uh, similar grouping of putting them together. All right. Blessings follow righteous living. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, I'm not saying in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 that you're going to be super wealthy. I'm not saying in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 that you're going to have a great abundance. But I am saying if you follow God in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, if you study the chapter, he says your necessities will be taken care of. If you understand spiritual living you will be wealthy beyond measure. Physically speaking, I don't know. All right. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, I think it's very very likely that you'll be blessed both physically and spiritually. But no matter what, if we've got on our Christian glasses, we understand from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, as a Christian, you will be taken care of. All right. Solomon, because of the prophecy, knowing what what could take place, 
hearing that uh, he will be overthrown, taken down, removed. He wants to kill him. Go down to 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 40. It says, so Solomon, therefore, because of what had happened, sought to kill Jeroboam. But Jeroboam says, I got to get out of here. All right. Jeroboam arose. He fled to Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. He said, I got to go. Ahijah the prophet says, this will come to pass. And yet Jeroboam says, I got to get out of town. But don't you worry, God has a way of always making things work out. That brings us to our second person, Rehoboam. We've got Ahijah the prophet, brings a lot of information about Jeroboam. Now let's recognize Rehoboam. Rehoboam is approached about the heavy burdens of his father. Verse 4, we looked at it earlier. He says, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, please lighten the load. Lighten the burdensome service of your father. And his heavy yoke, which he hath put on us, will serve you. Rehoboam is approached about these heavy burdens. And you know, within wisdom, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15, it says, The way of fool is right in his own eyes. But notice, but he who heeds counsel... Search for counsel, instruction, help. He says, he who seeks counsel is wise. All right, so Rehoboam says, let's get some counsel. Chapter 12 and verse 7. He speaks to the elders. He says, if you will, and they spoke to him saying, If you will be a servant to these people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, he says, They will be your servants forever. So he goes to the wiser of the bunch, the older of the bunch. He says, What do you say? They said, Heed the Heed the advice. Listen to them and they will love you. And they'll say, long live Jeroboam, so to speak. But you drop down into verse 10. He said, young men, I don't like the advice they gave me. What you got? They told me to lighten the yoke. What do you think? Verse 10. Ones who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, thus you should speak to this people who have spoken to you saying, your father made our, heavy, our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us? <laughs> Thus you shall say to them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's wrist. He says, Ooh, you don't even know. It's fixing to come down. It's fixing to come to your way and you aren't going to like it. He sought counsel, but he took the wrong counsel. You know, I think about 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Check to see if the counsel is good. He says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now there, as you talk about it, we're looking at a miraculous sense. He says, check them. What do we know? If, it's, if what they say comes to pass, then they're true prophets. 
If what they say doesn't come to pass, he says, dismiss them. There's no use for them. They're a false prophet. Instead of looking and considering the the advice in a proper manner, he decided from the beginning that he didn't want their advice. You know, we've said before that when you talk about submitting to God... To be submissive means to follow the advice when you don't like it. You understand? If we are to be submissive to God's will, that means when we don't like what He has to say, when it disagrees with our opinion, then you follow it. And that is the only time it is submission. If we choose to do what God says because we agree with it, that's not submission, that's doing what you want. Jeroboam here is going to take advantage of Rehoboam's foolishness because Rehoboam didn't want to be submissive. Rehoboam wanted to do what he wanted to do. All right. When he sought counsel, he went to the wise first because he knew of their wisdom. And when he didn't like the answer, he sought somewhere else. All right. He heeds the advice of the young men. He increases their burden. You can go to 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 13 through 15. He makes everybody angry. And the children of Israel turn against him. They turn to Jeroboam. Go to chapter 12 and verse 20. It says, Now it came to pass when Israel heard that Jeroboam had come back. Talk about the servant coming home. They sent for him and called him to the congregation and made him king over all Israel. There was none who followed the house of David but the tribe of Judah only. Everybody wanted out because Rehoboam followed the wrong advice. All right. We've got Ahijah the prophet brings Rehoboam in. Now Jeroboam is king. Jeroboam. 1 Kings chapter 12, drop down into verse 27. Jeroboam fears losing the hearts of the people. Verse 27, the foolishness begins. Verse 27, if these people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn back to their Lord, Rehoboam king of Judah, and they'll kill me. They'll go back to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Therefore the king asked the advice, made two calves of gold and says, said to the people, is it, too, it is too much for you to go up to Jer- Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. Let me make a better way. I'm afraid that if you go back to fulfill the law as God's design, I'm afraid you'll turn away from me, so I've made an even better way. He says, I've, I've improvised. I've come in to save the day. Well, what was God's design? As you go through, they say here, don't you, don't you worry about going back? So the king says, let me make two calves of gold. Recognize that first, 
God made a design for worship, where they went to worship and how they worshiped. Notice number two, God made a design for who you worshiped. And Rehoboam, sorry, Jeroboam has just become, become king and we're already at two strikes. You can go back to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4. You shall not make for yourself what? Any images. No carved images. There's nothing to worship except God. Jeroboam said, oh, how about a new place to worship? You get down into verse 29 and he says, put one in Bethel. And I'll put the other in Dan. You got a new place. This is where you'll worship God. Deuteronomy chapter 12 says, You shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses. Out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, there you shall go. And this wasn't it. All right. Not only... Did he do this? Then he institutes the new rules for worship. Verse 31 to the end of the chapter. He made shrines on the high places and made priests, listen, from every class of people. Notice it says, who were not of the sons of Levi. Why is that significant? Because God had already chosen who would be the priest. All right, verse 32. Jeroboam ordained a feast. So now he comes up with a feast on the 15th day of the 8th month. Like the feast that was in Judah... And offered sacrifices on the altar, so he did at Bethel. Listen, sacrificing to the calves. You know, it hasn't been that long ago God brought them out of Egypt. They have a golden calf and they're punished for it. And I guess they didn't pass it down the, the family tree. No one heard about it because they're making the same foolish mistake. All right. So they sacrificed to the calves that he had made. And at Bethel, he installed the priests of the high place which he had made. So we've got false priests. We've got false calves. We've got false places. We've got false gods. All this against God's design. Verse 33, it says, false offerings and uh, false feasts in verse 32. Verse 33, it says, so he made offerings on the altar which... He had made it Bethel on the 15th day of the 8th month in the month which he had devised in his own heart. He didn't care about what God said. And he ordained a feast for the children of Israel and offered a sacrifice on the altar and burned incense. All right. He said, I've come up with a new way and it's here to make your life better. Listen to me. We don't need to be worried about making our lives better. What do I mean? When it comes to worship, if Saturday would be more convenient for you, it doesn't matter. If bringing in the instrument would be more helpful for your soul, it doesn't matter. If changing up the worship where we all got to dance around in a method other than a holy service to God. All right? That wouldn't be such as the case. Then how dare we think we can institute such? Okay, Jeroboam said, well, I make the rules around here. I'm king. 
And I know that if I don't keep them around here, they're going to run away. What he should have said is if I keep them around here. If you stick to God's word, then worship will be what God expects. But to do anything else would be foolish. All right. Jeroboam institutes all these new rules for worship. Then a man of God prophesies against the altar that the priests used that they offer sacrifices on. Look at 1 Kings chapter 13. We've got to hurry. All right, verse 1. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar. Who? The man of God. By the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold a child. Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you. And men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. All right. Man of God prophesies against it. Jeroboam nearby no doubt hates this thought. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel, that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. And his hand which he stretched out toward him withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Do you think there's enough points yet that Jeroboam should say, I better consider this. I'm going against God's design. Notice in verse 5, the altar which was just spoken of also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Comes true. Was he a false prophet or a true prophet? He was a true prophet. Did Jeroboam have first-hand knowledge? Hand literally. His hand withered. All right. Jeroboam has his hand withered as he pointed his command. His sorrow immediately comes. Notice verse 6. Then the, the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God. Is your God a true God or a false God? This is the man of God that said the sacrifice, that the altar was going to be split. He says, Entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me. Pray to your own calves. What can your golden calves do? Nothing. Because they're not the God of heaven. All right, verse 6. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and it became as it was before. Do you have an opportunity now? He said, sure enough, I believe. That's not the case. You would think so. What we're talking about is worldly sorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. He was sorry he got caught. He was sorry that his hand withered up. He says, oh, please ask God that my hand be restored. He asks him and he immediately forgets who God is. None of this caused a proper change. 
Didn't change his way of thinking whatsoever. Chapter 13, verse 33 and verse 34, it says, After this event, Jeroboam did not turn from his evil way, but again he made priests from every class, that's wrong, for the high places that he established, that's wrong, whoever wished he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. He says, yeah, you're special. Let me put you in office. Verse 34, And this thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy from the face of the earth. All right. None of this caused a proper change. He had every opportunity. And that brings us to Abijah's sickness. Abijah, his son, chapter 14. We're going to finish up quick. One day I'm going to get done on time, but not today. Verse 1. And it came to pass... At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. Jeroboam said to his wife, recognize this very closely, verse 2, Please arise and disguise yourself that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam. And he says, and go to Shiloh. Why didn't he send him to Dan or Bethel? Because he knew who God was and he chose not to follow. That's a problem. All right. He said, go on. He said, go over there. He says, indeed, Ahijah the prophet is there who told me that I would be king over this people. What's he know? A true prophet's there. A man of God. Somebody that God uses and speaks through. He said, go ask him. Why? Because he knows the foolishness of everything he's involved in, but he's too stuck up. He's too conceited to change his ways. If you ever get in this situation... Man, you have problems. When you talk about the sin against the Holy Spirit, the one that can't be forgiven, getting in this type of heart where you're not willing to change, that is a problem. If you're not willing to change, you aren't willing to be forgiven. And that's Jeroboam. All right, here we go. Abijah's sickness. We got to hurry. 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 1 and 2. We see he says, hey, honey, go up there. Visit Abijah and... Uh, sorry, visit Ahijah and... Entreat him. Why? Because he's God. All right. Jeroboam had done more evil than any king before him. Notice in verse 9. But you have done more evil than all who were before you. For you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded images to provoke me to anger and to cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam. He says, and I will cut off from Jeroboam, every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as the one takes away refuse until it is all gone. He says, you're in trouble now, bub. Abijah, the son of Rehoboam, brings charges against Jeroboam. You can go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 13. I guess we'll look at it real quick. We don't have time, but hate to miss out on it. Second Chronicles chapter 13. We're just going to read a few things here. Verse 8. And now you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hand of the sons of David. These are a great multitude, and with you are gold calves, which Jeroboam made for you as gods. Have you not cast out the priests of the lords of the sons of Aaron and the Levites? And made for yourself priests like the peoples of the other land, but that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of these things that are not gods. 
But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites attend to their duties. He says, we're doing it as God prescribed. And they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. They also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table. And the lampstand, that we keep the command of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Abijah's getting things back on track. Rehoboam messed up. Abijah said, listen up, bub. God's using me. But remember, Jeroboam's a man of valor. Drop down to verse 13. But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around behind them. So they were in front of Judah and the, and the ambush was behind them. All right. We got them surrounded. You talk about war. You're in a great position, Jeroboam. You've got them surrounded. They're in trouble. Unless you got God on your side. Jeroboam sends the ambush, but God was with the men of Judah. Verse 15, then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. All right. And the walls came tumbling down. All right. They're going to be crushed. Their lives seem as though they're falling apart. Literally because they are. This marked the beginning of the end for Jeroboam. Get down to chapter 13 and verse 20. So it says, Jeroboam did not recover strength again in the days of Abijah. And the Lord struck him and he died. Following his reign of 22 years, you can go to 1 Kings chapter 14 and verse 20. Jeroboam dies. Now what I didn't tell you is in 1 Kings chapter 11... Ahijah, the prophet, came to Jeroboam and he said, Listen, God's going to rip up this new garment. You're going to take ten tribes. They're going to have the one. He said, If you'll follow me, if you'll follow God, you'll be greatly blessed. Go back through 1 Kings chapter 11 and read down through it. He said, things will be excellent. Don't do this way that Solomon did. Don't do what he did, but follow after God. Today I tell you, God gives us the same if. If you will follow after me, you will be blessed. Jeroboam thought he had to make his own way. He said, man, God gave me these people. I can serve, I can rule them any way I want. And he left God out. If you leave God out of your life, I promise you, it will end miserably. But three main points, four main points for Jeroboam. Many blessings follow righteous living. Wise person seeks counsel. When you recognize that you are wrong, allow it to cause a change in your life. And finally, the one thing that Jeroboam did, did right. When he knew who God was, when he found himself in trouble, he sent... 
He didn't go. He sent for the God of heaven. He sent his wife and he still didn't follow. But I'll tell you what he did know. He knew who God was. Seek after God and realize the pearl of great price. There is nothing that compares to salvation. If you haven't given life, your life to Christ, there is a reason to do it. Because this is the end. Jeroboam tells you what happens. If you want to end miserably, follow him. But if you want to be eternally blessed, follow the advice he was first given. Seek after God and you'll be blessed. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's very simple. Understanding that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Being willing to turn away from sin, confessing Him before men. Make that step where we are buried with Him in baptism. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Then notice, then rise to walk in newness of life. We saw repentance at one point. Worldly sorrow in Jeroboam's life. And he still didn't heed God's advice. If you haven't given your life to Christ, heed the advice tonight. Please come as we stand and sing.